This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, gentlemen, we are gathered here today to celebrate the union of more free agent off-season acquisitions, more big names come into the big red, and that's why we have called together this emergency session of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And here on St. Patty's Day, I'm not seeing it via Zoom. Uh, I got a little bit of green here, a little bit, not seeing green over there, really, Honestly, though, gentlemen, Kyle Odegaard, Darren Urban, there's really only one team in the NFL that can truly do St. Patrick's Day, and that would be the New York Jets. However, the Arizona Cardinals bum-rushed the party as they went and obtained their own green, A.J. Green, along with Rodney Hudson. We have moves. We need to break it down. We have smiles on your faces. Uh, I'm reading your face, Kyle. So far, you're a double thumbs up, I can tell. Well, first and foremost, you can't pinch me because we're still socially distant, so I don't have to wear green yet. But I think that would be a workplace violation and uh, (laughs) might cost me my gig uh, like I was a politician. Proceed. But I think fans of the Cardinals were kind of waiting with bated breath for something to happen in those first couple days. And there were a lot of reports that the Cardinals were involved with this player and that player. And it sounded like, you know, they were in the mix and trying to get some of these top tier guys and it didn't happen. And then obviously the Rodney Hudson trade is, is a big deal. The Cardinals made it open that they wanted to upgrade at center and you can't do much better than Rodney Hudson. I mean, it's a pro bowl guy perennially a contract about uh, nine and a half, $10 million a year over the next two years, which is a, a very affordable contract for something of, of his worth and, and what he can do. So I think that trade was a very smart thing to do, especially we've been talking so much about Kyler Murray's rookie deal and having to capitalize. Now you traded a third round pick and Steve Kime never wants to trade draft picks because he knows how valuable they are, but this is the time to strike. And if you can get a, elite center for a third round pick it sure seems like a good deal now for a wednesday uh, the fact that i burned out my phone battery and had to go for the charger uh, that says it all so i can only imagine darren urban what your wednesday was like the beginning of the league year (laughs) it's been an interesting day and uh it's one of those things where you weren't sure exactly what was going to happen uh i know at the top of the day Uh, We were expecting and hearing from uh, Marcus Golden and Kelvin Beecham, a couple of guys they've already kept, which was good news in both counts. And uh, I had to drop in there and and take some pictures when they were signing contracts. And then all of a sudden, all this other stuff started happening. Uh, That when they were signing was right about the time the AJ Green news originally broke, um, which I can tell you now, uh, 
brought a smile to the face of owner Michael Bidwell, who I happened to be there when I mentioned the fact that it was coming out. And then uh, obviously a little bit later, the idea that the Hudson trade happened. And I, I really think I agree with Kyle. The, the green thing, obviously we'll talk about it. And I, I think it's important to get a number two receiver. There's there's some things that do need to be discussed about that signing. It's, it's not like you're getting A.J. Green in his prime, but um, I think the Hudson deal is, is the big one. Everybody thought maybe this team would make a push for Corey Lindsley, the Packers center who ended up going to the Chargers. I think the Cardinals probably were in on that as best they could be. It didn't work out. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, uh, on Tuesday it came out the Raiders were going to cut Rodney Hudson for salary cap reasons, and that – sent everybody into a tizzy because a lot of teams could use Rodney Hudson. And then it became clear that there was enough teams that wanted Hudson that the Raiders would try and get something out of it. And obviously they did. And the Cardinals made the big deal. And I, I do think after listening to Sean Kugler talk about Mason Cole and Lamont Galliard earlier last month, really um, mentioning that they might look at center as a, a place where they bring somebody in, it, it seemed kind of obvious that would happen. And I, I think they've changed the complete dynamic of that offensive line right now. And Kyla Murray, a guy who's tweeted a couple times or retweeted uh, stuff about going after offensive linemen and protecting the quarterback, has got to be uh, happy on this first day of free agency. Not to put you guys on the spot, but Rodney Hudson, the numbers, have they come out? Is anybody reporting what the salary is going to be, the cap hit is going to be, Kyle? What have we seen? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it, it, when you get traded, your salary just goes with you. So we haven't heard anything about an extension or any kind of restructure. At this point, his salary cap hit for this year, I believe, is $9.5 million, which is a healthy chunk of your available cap space. But when you're talking about one of your better players, a, a Pro Bowl player, it's not exorbitant by any means and if they want to get that number down uh, I mean you can talk to him and maybe just turn that into a signing bonus and push some money to next year or the Cardinals might be okay I mean you look at where they're at now roster wise I think number one cornerback is still the glaring hole on the roster other than that I don't know if you're going to be making any more big time signings I mean all the rest of the holes have pretty much been filled. So maybe you don't need a bunch of cap space. Maybe depending on how you structure, whatever you're going to do at this cornerback spot, I think you might be all right, but there's certainly room to get more space, whether it's Rodney Hudson or a different player, if the Cardinals need it. And how do we know that at some point it might not come out that they restructured other deals of existing players, a Devon Kennard, a Justin Pugh, whomever. Uh, look, to me, not only is center critical, obviously, you just look at recent history, the difference between a rookie Mason Cole going in a few years ago out of necessity when A.Q. Shipley went down in the red-white practice versus the next year when A.Q. came in and solidified that center spot. I mean, we've seen it most recently, the before and after. And to bring in a guy like Rodney Hudson, especially Darren to me, with a Kyler Murray and the prospect of interior pressure, it's problematic for any quarterback, but if you're six foot six, Ben Roethlisberger, guess what? You're a lot more equipped to handle the interior pressure. So you get a guy that you have confidence in a guy who can hold the point, a guy who doesn't get penalized. Hello analytics by greed. That's what we're going to start calling this. Craig Real who sent along some sort of numbers that over the last three years, he has only three penalties called on him. Rodney Hudson. That's one fewer than the Cardinals starting center had by himself all of the last season. So all that being told, there's no doubt it's an upgrade. 
I don't think there's any question the Cardinals were looking to upgrade there. And, and I agree. I think for all those reasons, you needed to kind of solidify the middle there. We still don't know exactly who the right guard is going to end up being. The left guard as of right now is Justin Pugh. I mean, there was a lot of talk about, oh, might they cut Justin Pugh to clear some cap space? And I suppose that's still possible. But Steve Kime has been too complimentary of Justin Pugh in the past about how well he played last year. I don't see him going anywhere. They might restructure or potentially ask him to take some kind of cut. We don't know that. Um, but I don't. I think he's going to be your left guard. And, and I think all of a sudden you feel a lot better with bringing back Kelvin Beecham to be your right tackle, who had a very solid year last year. And D.J. Humphreys, who I think played at a, arguably a Pro Bowl level. And then you have Pugh who played pretty well. And then you have a better center. I mean, there's, there's going to be – uh, even though you got to figure out who that right guard is, there's going to be fewer questions about that line going in and you should have a better performance and that will take less. Uh, it, it means, I shouldn't say take less. It now means more that Kyler Murray has got to take these steps forward because you're going to have less reason to be concerned that it's the offensive line causing any issues on the uh, offense. I mean, Darren, real quick, are you comfortable at Justin Murray battling Josh Jones for the right guard spot if that's what it comes down to? Uh, I, I mean, or you could even throw Mason Cole in there or Lamont Galliard even at this point. But I mean, I, I think, let me, let me say it this way with the moves they've made already, unless they make some significant other moves, they're running out of cap space. So I, I don't know you're going to be able to upgrade much more than what they've already got. I do think Justin Murray has been relatively solid. I mean, do you wish you could have a pro bowler in there? Sure. Um, but you're not going to get that at every position. Um, and, and I will say that as we go, there's still going to be some opportunities. I would think deeper into free agency as we see guys taking so many one-year deals. Well, at some point, the one-year deals are going to be super cheap or minimum deals. And maybe there's a veteran out there who's a little bit better than Justin Murray, who you feel better with. But yeah, I, if they had to go with this offensive line right now, I would feel fairly comfortable with it. I think Rodney Hudson helps them that much. Well, and that's why I throw that out because a pro bowler is not walking through that door at this point to play right guard. So I'm curious, Kyle, how you feel about the offensive line as currently constructed, if that is indeed the direction they go. And we end up in September with an offensive line that left to right is DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson. Don't call him Rodney Harrison, as I've already done a couple other times on other platforms, Rodney Hudson. And then your right guard is either Josh Jones or Justin Murray, along with Kelvin Beecham, who's in for two years, $4 million. Very well bought by the Cardinals, if you ask me, the right tackle. Yeah, and I, I think you look at that left side, and that's a really impressive left side of the line. Justin Pugh is has taken some flack from fans. He had some penalty issues and the contract is at the point where it's kind of a discussion. Is he worth that money? But regardless of the money, like if you bring Justin Pugh back, he's an above average left guard and you've got a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle, a Pro Bowl caliber center. So you love the left side. And I think what Darren said is, is prescient. Like you can't have pro bowlers at every single position you can't pay every single position so yeah I'd be comfortable with Justin Murray or Josh Jones or Mason Cole or Lamont Gilliard like somebody's going to win that job and they're going to do a decent enough job especially if you've got you've got two veterans next to you the big part is figuring out when stunts are coming and who you need to double and where the blitz is coming from a lot of it's communication when you're playing guard oftentimes you'll 
get to double team one of those interior guys. And if it's with your Pro Bowl center, he's going to do the heavy lifting. So I feel like what they have at guard right now is sufficient. And I was just thinking back to the Rams game at home for the Cardinals when interior pressure just killed them. And they looked worse in that game offensively than many, maybe any other all season long. And I think maybe that was part of the impetus to getting the interior stronger and Aaron Donald is in your division twice a year, every, every single year, and you got to stop somebody like that. Interior p- pressure, I think, will wreck an offense quicker than anything else. So if they can stop that, and obviously Rodney Hudson goes a long way toward doing so. Yeah, Aaron Donald is reason enough. Heck, you had me at false start penalties. That would be reason enough. Before you even snap the stinking ball, Rodney Hudson hasn't had a false start penalty, according to the analytics, since 2016. And that center position had four called on it a year ago. So right there, not to mention some of the other pass blocking grades was over 93, which is the best among centers since 2015. If you're following pro football focus, and I know you do Kyle, and he's only had three sacks attributed to him since 2015. That's almost 3,500 snaps. So right there, I mean, Kyle, you are much more stout at the point of attack. And there were reasons Lamont Gilliard got snaps last year because they were searching for that guy to solidify that spot. Yeah, I think early in the season, Mason Cole did a a decent job. And then toward later on, like you said, they started rotating and there was some leaky protection and and leaky run blocking. And and like you said, I mean, Rodney Hudson is just a stud. Anyway, you look at the numbers, you look at the tape and you hear from front office people, everybody was so surprised when they heard that the Raiders were going to release him. And obviously Oakland didn't realize the type of attention or uh, offers they could get for him. And to get a third round pick compared to releasing him is obviously really good for Oakland, but it also shows that maybe they misread the market for him. And, and even though it would have been perfect to have him get released and then the Cardinals sign him in free agency and not give up a pick, there's no guarantee that you get him because he's got prior relationships with other teams Maybe some team can just come in and offer this huge money because they have a lot of salary cap space. So yeah, the Cardinals did have to give up a pretty valuable draft pick, but they got a guy at a really affordable contract for what he can do. So I think overall it was a nice trade for the Cardinals. Well, look what supposedly happened with Corey Lindsley. He went to the Chargers because he had a former teammate on the Chargers roster that spent the whole offseason recruiting him and verifying that the Chargers were a viable organization and that he should come to Southern California. So you're right on that, Kyle. Now, in terms of relationships, I'd love to know if Frank Caliendo was involved this time with his John Gruden impersonation. I'd be curious about that. Heck, I'd be curious to know if Cliff Kingsbury busted out his John Gruden impersonation as he once did on our podcast a couple of years ago. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't discount the Cliff Kingsbury impersonation of John Gruden. It's, it's not bad. It's not Caliendo, but it's not bad. So, so you have that going for you right there. And you know what else, Darren? Rodney Hudson is a a team captain. He's also known as a mauler, a dude that plays with an edge. And you tell me, these are all things that I'm guessing interested the Arizona Cardinals after what we saw, especially down the stretch last year, where they are lacking in both departments. Well, again, you're talking about a area where, okay, let's, let's see who they've gotten so far uh, in free agency. They've gotten, uh, they brought back Beecham and Golden who both, in their own ways are good in the locker room. Uh, they bring in Hudson, who is going to be a leader. AJ Green, I think, uh, because of his 
his not only his abilities, but his resume. I think he's a good leader. I mean, if you end up having Larry Fitzgerald retire, who better to like step into that void as a veteran receiver than AJ Green? I think that's something else. So I, I think clearly they're kind of looking among other things, JJ Watt, good leader. Now we're also talking about age on a lot of these guys, which the, with age comes wisdom, but it also comes uh, athletic slowdown. So we'll have to see how that all goes. I mean, there's a fine line, but I do think that's part of the equation here. Well, it does. So, okay. So let's, let's, let's look at that. I mean, these guys are all over 30, right? Some of the big names they brought in, Darren, does this just verify and confirm that the Cardinals are all in under Kyla Murray in this rookie contract? I mean, if you had any doubt, there shouldn't be any, any doubt left any longer. Well, all I know is clearly they've been listening to Kyle Odegaard because he's been banging this drum for a long time about how they should be going all in on all this stuff. And they, they, they clearly are. I mean, if you just look at who they've picked up, yeah, I think they are going all in. They know there's a rookie contract. There's a certain level of urgency here. And, okay, we're going to go for it right now. And, and it's beyond just the rookie contract, of course. It, it also goes back to the fact that they barely missed the playoffs last year. And I, I do think ownership in this case is expecting a playoff bid this year. So there, there's that pressure just on that level. But yes, I think the, the rookie contract actually ab- absolutely means something at this point. And oh, by the way, overnight, the Niners made Trent Williams, a franchise left tackle, the highest paid offensive line lineman in NFL history. And they got Alex Mack, who's very proven, obviously, at center, the super veteran. So the Niners just fortified their offensive line. Uh, you heard Darren mention A.J. Green. So, Kyle, some initial impressions on A.J. Green. One year, $6 million plus, uh, $8 million plus if he reaches all his incentives, if I believe the reports and what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the most maybe high risk, high reward of the signings because you look at what he's done in his career. I mean, we all know the ceiling of A.J. Green. He's a, a Pro Bowl talent, a guy who was among the top three receivers in the NFL at one point, but he has had a lot of injuries Last season, the numbers were way down, and I think you can attribute some of that to quarterback play, but when you look at the analytics and look about look at yards per, of separation and, and things that are more under his control, they weren't uh, particularly pleasing for what A.J. Green did. So, I mean, I think we have to look at this more broadly. Like, guys can have down years and bounce back, so – if A.J. Green bounces back and becomes the guy he used to be for $6 million, that's an incredible value. If this is just a sign of him slowing down because of the injuries and because of his age, maybe he doesn't live up to that contract. So I think to me, it's it's the most interesting where it could really work out and it really couldn't, almost like the J.J. Watt deal where you know who these guys are and you know what they could be, but there is that risk to it. So I think he's in a very good position you've got Kyler Murray's legs and you've got DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. So AJ Green is not the focal point for a defense for the first time, probably in his entire career. So maybe he can flourish in something like that, but I would like to see what it looks like on the field before saying that, yeah, AJ Green is definitely going to be a thousand yard receiver with the Cardinals next season. So from afar, I followed AJ Green last season, every single week of the season, because I drafted him in the lower rounds in the Pauly Pigskins, the <laughs> fantasy football team. Okay. And by the way, we did make a late run 
only for me to realize I was in the losers bracket of the postseason. <laughs> I wasn't in the winner. That that was really that just compounded how disappointing last season was. That's neither here nor there. AJ Green's season was incredibly up and down. There were games where he was shut out. There were games where he had a number of targets. He had no catches. There were other games where he was borderline dominant and he was a force and they had to double him. Uh, you know, to Kyle's point, Darren, I'm not sure exactly what to make when it comes to AJ Green. So I, I hit the phone a little bit earlier today and, and I texted a few people who I've come to know over the years and personnel departments around the league. And you know, all these departments, they do all their homework on all these players. And I had one personnel guy tell me, and I quote from the text I received, he goes, he studied AJ Green's film, incredible route running ability, considering his size and body type. He's 6'4". Uh, he had he ball skills, have always been outstanding. We know that. We'll get more on that in a bit. Knows how to win the one-on-ones. Body control and balance when the ball in the air makes him such a reliable target. And another guy tell me, this is a scout, say still has gas left in the tank, more twitch than speed at this point. A guy who's going to play at age 33 this season, Darren. But once again, if you just have – the word to me in there is reliable. If you have that guy who's reliable and proven and with his size for Kyler Murray to be that potential number two receiver, that to me fills an incredible need and void in this offense. I, I 100% agree. And it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, again, like you said, can, can he get past some of these other things um, that, 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 that have plagued him? I mean, I, I love that he's a route runner. I mean, I'll, honestly, when you start talking about some of this stuff, Paul, the first thing I uh, think of um, is the fact that that's kind of how people would describe Larry Fitzgerald at this point, right? Sure. Uh, so, you know, what does that mean for Larry? Do they have – uh, you know, do, do they have a place for both of them or are we talking about something else entirely, which is very interesting. But when, when it comes back to uh, Green, I, I think the idea that he is going to be able to not face the other team's number one cornerback because DeAndre Hopkins is out there, I think will help him tremendously. And the other thing, which doesn't get spoken a lot, and one of the reasons they needed that number two guy was because now Christian Kirk might be able to play a little bit of the slot. And maybe that's a little bit more natural for him. And maybe, maybe Andy Isabella gets a little bit more loose inside because of this guy out there. And, you know, he's not going to be the over-the-top guy that he could be or whatever. But I, I think like Fitz, I think he can still go win a jump ball once in a while. And so there's still that possibility. If we all believe that, especially the way defenses play the Cardinals offense. So those two high safeties that kept everything in front of them, that the Cardinals are in dire need of not just a number two receiver, but a speed guy, someone who can really stretch that defense. Everybody now take the top off, you know, something along those lines is, could Christian Kirk be that guy? Is he explosive enough, Kyle, in your opinion, in the slot? Cause we've seen it at times. We saw him with the deep touchdown last season against Dallas. We saw him on that first drive touchdown two years before that with Josh Rosen at the 49ers, all 70 plus yard touchdown receptions where he got behind the secondary. Can he make some of these defenses pay out of the slot, Christian Kirk, if they're going to employ some of those defensive schemes that we saw, those some of those zone coverages in particular that we saw a year ago? I, I don't think Christian Kirk's role would be the big play deep guy if he does move to the slot. I think it's more of 
the intermediate and short routes. I'm thinking like Julian Edelman type player where I think, I think Christian Kirk has a nice wiggle to him when he can kind of get separation in, in small spaces and, and get away from somebody. And then the very top, top end speed isn't quite there. Like a JJ Nelson used to be, or somebody that runs that legit four, two, five, four, three speed. So I don't think that's quite Christian Kirk's, game especially with his height he's a, a smaller guy so he has to get even more separation I think it makes more sense to put him into that that slot role and I think you guys are right like you don't have this this clear-cut deep threat on your starting wide receiver group because Andy Isabella might be in there every once in a while but the three guys you're looking at are Christian Kirk AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins but if you've got Hopkins and Green on the outside teams are still going to respect that I mean if if you single cover DeAndre Hopkins, it doesn't matter if he's this great blazing deep threat or not, you're throwing him the ball in that situation. But I do feel like, are they going to get away from a lot of the quick game stuff? I mean, is that really AJ Green's game? Does DeAndre Hopkins want to do that? And we've talked about it a million times. The intermediate game is where the Cardinals struggled last season. And to me, it feels like AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins are the two type of receivers that know how to do that with as established as they are in the NFL. So maybe this could be a sign that you're going to go to more of that traditional drop back scan the field and throw the ball downfield because the Cardinals weren't as efficient as they wanted to be passing the ball last season. And, and maybe it will be less quick game and more intermediate game in 2021. If I said recent NFL history, give me three receivers who excelled the most at contested catches. Could I say DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, not necessarily in that order and AJ green. Yeah. I think Honestly, he can. That, that, that's his forte, A.J. Green, isn't it? But, but the, the caveat there is why are they contested? And, and part of the issue that those guys have had, especially, you know, Fitz at this point, Green at this point in his career, is you're, you're talking about guys who don't have a, haven't had a ton of speed. Now, that, there's good sides and, and bad sides to that. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. And you're right. They're going to catch the ball in traffic. You've also got to convince – a quarterback to throw it in traffic to take those risks too. And, you know, again, I just, I see AJ green as a guy that you're, you're hoping he can have a, a nice bounce back. I mean, it's not like he's, I mean, Fitz produced a ton at that age, but AJ green also missed uh, a chunk of 2018 because of an injury. He missed all of 2019 because of the foot injury. And then last year it was up and down. Now last year, who do you have as his quarterback? He had Joe Burrow for nine and a half games, nine and a third games uh, before Burrow got hurt. And Burrow played pretty well, but he wasn't great. And, and some of that was Burrow and some of that was, you know, where's Green in his career. And then after that, he had two below average quarterbacks playing for the Bengals with a below average offensive line. There just wasn't going to be a lot of offense and stats. And then you, you wonder, okay, exactly how are you measuring all this? So I, I think, I think if there's any way to, figure out where AJ Green is in his career right now we're going to find out because there's going to be a decent offensive line and there, there's going to be a, a stud wide receiver on the other side and we're going to know real quick about where he is yeah without Joe Burrow the last six games for the Bengals last year I have the numbers right here AJ Green with Ryan Finley or Brandon Allen as his quarterback 13 grabs over six games there were three games where he had no catches for just 171 yards and one touchdown there was also 
some reports out there or someone had noticed something about where he was mic'd up or they caught him on film where he muttered something on the sidelines, just trade me. So a lot of that Bengals team was not in a good place, neither in the standings or mentally last year. So uh, he gets a fresh start. He gets a, uh, you know, fresh destination and he's going to get an offense with an established Pro Bowl quarterback and a coach who's more than willing to throw it. And so we'll, we'll see what that does for him, Kyle. Yeah, you could definitely see a scenario where this does come together really well for the Cardinals, where you've got some motivated veterans who were at the top of the NFL for several years. And I think that's the big question is J.J. Watt at 32, I believe, and A.J. Green at 33. What do they have left in the tank? And if it's a lot, then that takes this team to the next level for sure, because that's Pro Bowl talents, especially in A.J. Green, where at $6 million, if he can get close to what he used to be, and you've legit got DeAndre Hopkins and Pro Bowler A.J. Green on the outside, I mean, your offense is going to be in a great place with what Kyler Murray can do with his legs too. So the ceiling for this group is awfully high. And then you just worry about slowing down physically injuries because that's been such a big part of AJ Green and JJ Watt. And you could see the downside to these signings too. We'll just have to wait for the season. But I I think you can definitely dream big if you're a Cardinals fan and just hope that the reality is closer to that than the injuries or any decline in physical ability. You guys might get, want to get ready to groan at this point because I'm afraid I'm going to go polyprop one more there time. You guys, you guys seeing this right here? This is an <laughs> official NFL football, and that autograph reads A.J. Green, number 18. Actually, oh. it looks like it says A7D. <laughs> it's A.J. Green, okay, I'm number 18. I, I'm sorry, Darren Ravel. I haven't had it verified, okay, by the collectibles <laughs> industry. Just take my word for it. Is my word good enough here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, <laughs> proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, or do I have to verify everything I say around here? We Why do you have an A.J. Green autograph? We, we I'm can... so glad you asked, Kyle. Thank, <laughs> thank you for asking. Because let me tell you guys a story. This is where Ron Wolfley flings himself out of the broadcast booth, but I think it's a pretty decent story. It's January 2015. It's Super Bowl week in Arizona. It was the Seahawks and the Patriots. Oh, Seattle, we know how that one ended at the goal line. Anyway, uh, we have the Super Bowl week festivities. I had to host MC these two events, and they were different events. Put it that way. One was for a packed ballroom. Mike Ditka, 90 minutes with Coach Ditka, and it was packed. There were 2,500 people in this casino ballroom, crazy. I walked in an hour before ahead of time. Coach is there. I said, Coach, introduce myself. Anything? What do you want me? I asked for anything. Just give me a shred of anywhere you want to go. He said, you got it. You lead me. I'm like, okay, I have nothing to go on here. Anyway, somehow we filled 90 minutes. The next one I did the next night was with AJ Green, much different. It was 200 people intimate gathering people who had won some sort of contest and you get an hour with AJ Green and his soon-to-be wife and you visit with AJ and we're up on stage and the nicest most humble gracious guy ever he was at the height he was in his prime he was an all pro he told some great stories comes from a very small town in South Carolina less than 2,000 people population Ridgeville South Carolina his his now wife told me that he had no idea how good he was until he went to high school. 
And he walked in as a freshman. The high school was 20 miles away. He walks in as a freshman and starts schooling and housing varsity DBs. Just And the coach is like, okay, who is this guy? And he played varsity as a freshman. The rest is history. And it's just an unbelievable story of how, and he's very quiet, yet he's intensely competitive on game day. And here's the kicker. He grew up watching and loving Larry Fitzgerald. He talked at length about how Larry has been his longtime mentor. And there's a story that when he was an All-American at Georgia, Larry in 2010 went to a Georgia game, showed up on the sideline. And there was A.J. Green. He looks over, he goes, oh, it's Fitz. And he just, how nervous he was at that moment that his mentor was there to see him. And those two have been very tight for the last decade. The question is, what does that mean? Which way do you read that? Those guys now are going to coexist and they're going to be teammates. Or was Larry the one who maybe tipped off A.J. Green early in the process? Hey, big guy, there's going to be an opening with the Arizona Cardinals. And guess what? To Darren's point, they have a similar scouting report and what they can do at this point in their career. I'm not sure which way to read that. For once, I think I'm without a theory. <laughs> Anybody, fill in I the mean, blank. I mean, for me, I, 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 I can only read this one of two ways at this point, which is they're, they're going to go all over the hill gang all the way, and Fitz is going to play with this kid that he mentored who's not a kid anymore and going to be 33 this season. Um, and, and then you're going to have to do some things because you will not have a lot of speed out there in the field. Or Larry's leaning towards retirement. The team has that idea. And, and at some point, that's what he's going to do. And then you move on. The, the thing about Larry that I'm struggling with right now is that to me, there's only two ways that I can go with this that make any sense. And in both cases, the, the team itself already knows what's going to happen. We just don't. Larry hasn't made a decision. One is he's told them he's going to retire and he just hasn't announced it yet. And they're making their moves knowing he's going to retire or they know he's coming back for sure. And they've already agreed on what kind of salary he's going to have so that they can kind of squirrel that away, knowing that he's not going to blindside them by saying, well, now I want to play. And how are you going to fit that under the cap? Those are the only ones that make sense because I don't see Larry as the kind of guy that would leave this team hanging like it would be right now if he truly didn't know and they truly didn't know that, that what he was going to do. That, that's the only thing I can come up with at this point. Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I think there has to be some sort of understanding. I mean, I don't think it has to be totally that I'm definitely playing or definitely not, but I think Larry Fitzgerald, it certainly seems like he would say, just go ahead and, and build it. And if I feel like coming on, I don't expect to be – a starting receiver who's playing 85% of the snaps. I mean, I'd, I'd love to be a part of this because you've gotten these guys and I'm, I'm confident that this is a team that has a Super Bowl chance and I want to kind of ride it. But the, the, the things we thought at the very beginning, would he be the $11 million once again? I mean, I, you can't pay him $11 million anymore. It certainly feels like a drastic reduction there and then more of a, a bit part of the offense. I mean, Christian Kirk hasn't completely lived up to expectations, but 
he's able to get open pretty consistently. I mean, he's shown that he deserves playing time. So if Larry Fitzgerald comes back and starts and you have AJ Green and D hop, I don't think you want Christian Kirk playing 15 to 20% of the time. I feel like he's shown that he deserves to be out there at least 50 to 60% of the time. So uh, the, the, the easiest thing would just be, yeah, like Darren said, Fit said, I'm going to retire. Just go ahead and do what you want. I'll announce it on my own time when I'm done vacationing. But if he is going to come back still, I think there's, I think there's clearly an understanding that he's going to work within the framework of what the Cardinals want to do instead of dictating what he wanted to do and have them work around his thoughts. And, and I think that's obviously a healthy thing for an organization that is really trying to be very competitive in 2021. Actually, I do have a theory. I take that back. I just came <laughs> up with a theory. He's done. You know why? Because he's that. snowboarding. And that violates his contract. <laughs> he wouldn't be snowboarding if he was still under contract. That's in direct violation. He doesn't have a contract. Provision. You, thou shalt not snowboard. He's a free Paul, agent right now. Paul, bottom line is you would have, if going by that kind of theory, half the league would be retiring every year because they all do stuff that they're not supposed to. All, all these players that show up on these Instagram things of, hey, here's uh, Miles Garrett throwing down these thunder dunks in Cleveland playing pickup basketball. I'm pretty sure that's not allowed. I, I, I'm pretty sure the, the Cardinals didn't want Tyron Matthew playing pickup basketball when he was doing it after an ACL tear. Oh, yeah, but as Tyron would tell you, he was the best basketball player oh, in the locker yeah. room. So he had to keep up his, his field cred, you know, his, his court cred, if you will. Actually, my lame theory is saved by the fact that we have breaking news here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, go ahead, Darren. They have a new kicker. And, uh, you know, this goes in line with everything else. He's 36 years of age, a two-year deal for... Matt Prater, the former Lion who uh, was last seen by the Cardinals and Cardinals fans kicking the game-winning field goal against the Cardinals last year in week three. Wow. He also holds the record for the longest field goal in league history, 64 yards. Yeah. Remember, we looked that up recently because if the Cardinals go to Mexico City, elevation 7,500 or so, Matt Prater signed with the Arizona Cardinals because he knows they're going to Mexico City and he's going to have a chance at a 70-yard field goal. There's my other theory that hopefully is more viable, Kyle. I'll tell you what, from a Cardinals perspective or a Cardinals fan's perspective, they don't care if he makes a 70-yarder. They want those 40 to 49-yard field goals to go through. And I mean, we've dissected last season to death by this point, but if you had a more stable kicking option if you had more consistency from Zane Gonzalez maybe the Cardinals do win nine games or ten games to make the playoffs and it's a lot different feeling so clearly you don't think about kicker a lot but they can be very important parts to an NFL season a lot of the games come down to the last minute or two and I, I think like you said the two-year deal is a noticeable theme. I don't think they've signed anybody to longer than two years. I think we're clearly looking at this two-year window and you can look at the Cardinals cap situation after that. It's like Kyler Murray, Buda Baker, and DeAndre Hopkins. And then a lot of guys on rookie deals, they haven't signed anybody of note besides those three guys beyond two years. So I think it's just an accumulation of veterans and they're making this run and saying, Hey, everybody get on board. If you're trying to win a Super Bowl, we'll see how it turns out. Teams have done this in the past and sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't, but I think it's just clear once again, what the Cardinals are trying to do. It, it, I am 
curious. Prater has been one of the better kickers over the years. I mean, obviously he's been around. You mentioned he was 36. He did struggle last year. It's, it's, it was his worst field goal kicking year of a full season, 75%, missed seven of 28 tries, which that's right around where Zane Gonzalez was. Now, uh, and he was only four for seven from 40 to 49 yards, which is another one where you're like, that's what we're looking for. He was six of 10 from 50 and beyond though. So he's got a leg and he, and he is uh, almost 75% from 50 plus in his career, which is uh, tops in NFL history. So I, I think you, you like where he's coming from. I like that you, you're putting him indoors. I mean, obviously for a kicker, he's kicked indoors or in Denver for his whole career. And now he's staying in a really nice place to kick. Uh, and I know when I saw him, I, I really had no doubt he was going to make that kick against the Cardinals at the end of the game. Uh, so I, I certainly would think that that kind of confidence would carry over. Yeah, 39-yarder with zeros on the clock to beat the Cardinals in week three. It was 26-23 after the Lions got the ball at their own nine-yard line with just under five minutes to go. So the guy who engineered that drive, Matthew Stafford, is now the starting quarterback for the Rams in the division. And the guy who ended that drive with the game winner through the uprights at State Farm Stadium is now a member of the Arizona Cardinals. He also rejoins his old special teams coach, Jeff Rogers. So whereas those numbers you threw out, Darren, a little eye-opening, a little concerning, a little bit, uh, the fact that he's rejoining his old special teams coach, who obviously knows what he's looking at, and his former kicker, uh, hopefully that's reassuring and look how I liken a team with kicking issues to a baseball team with closer issues if you get to the end of the game and you can't rely on your kicker and it's the kicker who doesn't come through at the end it's deflating it's demoralizing you just spend 59 plus minutes you know trading blows with another team and it comes down to a kicker who misses what could have been a game-winning kick it just it just it eats your locker room just up from the inside out, not unlike a baseball team that keeps blowing leads in the ninth inning because their closer fails. And so to me, if you can nail that down, that actually is something that has a trickle down through an entire locker room in a team. Yeah. And, and as you know, the way I look at football and stats, I don't pay as much of attention to win loss as virtually anybody because I'm more interested in point differential and stuff like that but when you're a player a coach and GM all that matters is the win-loss record and that's what gets you into the playoffs so if you have kicking issues and you lose two games that you very well could have won the Cardinals are the prime example you can be in the playoffs or be out of the playoffs because what a kicker does and to me I mean, kicker is is very much like a closer in another respect in you don't always know what you're going to get from year to year. I think it can be kind of a high variable position like Matt Prater's issues last season. They could completely go away in 2021. And that's why I think the evaluation of is this guy still a good kicker? Does he still have the leg? Does he still have the power and accuracy? that's the evaluation I would be more worried about than what he did last year. Because to me, those percentages can go up and down, especially because of the smaller sample of kicking field goals. So I think if 
I mean, being 36 as a kicker is not old. You see these guys play until their early 40s, no problem. So I think if the Cardinals trust that evaluation from Jeff Rogers, then they do have confidence in him. And then you just have to hope that he makes those big kicks. But I think you're right where confidence won't be an issue because he's been through it so much where if you brought Zane Gonzalez back, maybe Zane Gonzalez has more natural talent than Matt Prater at this point. But you just didn't know mentally if he could handle that 12 seconds on the clock down by one. And I think you want a guy that you're not worried about buckling under pressure. And, and I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly with a part about Jeff Rogers. I think Jeff Rogers has proven how good of a special teams coordinator he is at this point. And I would trust his evaluation of these situations. Um, and similarly, although it hasn't been announced officially, probably because he hasn't been here yet in person to sign the deal, but there was a report they're bringing back puncher Andy Lee on a one-year deal. So they're going to have their special teams uh, kind of wrapped up sooner rather than later. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a good deal. And like I said, I, I trust Jeff Rogers. If he sees this guy, sees the film, and has, since he's been with him before, understands what he does and doesn't do. I mean, I'm sure he's watched the missed kicks and probably has a good handle on why they potentially missed. And uh, I'm guessing he's, he's cool with that. I mean, he's 36. To your point, Kyle, you know, how old was Phil Dawson at the end for the Arizona Cardinals, right? We, we'd be on road trips and most of the fans watching the Cardinals parade into the hotel, they thought Phil Dawson was an assistant coach. So, you know, I mean, honestly, yeah, he's 40 something years old and I'll keep it kind there, Phil. We love you. Uh, here's the other thing. Our Lisa Matthews tweeting out that Matt Prater's wife is a former Arizona Cardinals cheerleader and is from the AZ. So, Okay, so let's get this. So, okay, so that was a competitive advantage. Cardinals kicking indoors, obviously a competitive advantage. I remember Neil Rackers telling us on the Big Red Rage that he got advice from his first ever NFL kicking coach, and it was goes as follows. Son, if you can ever latch on with a dome team, a team that plays indoors, for Denver, you take that deal and run with it. That was the advice given to Neil Rackers at the beginning of his kicking career. So Matt Brader has kicked in Denver. He's kicked indoors at Detroit. And now he's coming to the Cardinals. So well played all the way around Matt Prater. There you go. So the, the Cardinals can thank that Matt Prater's wife is from Arizona to get him. And then they can thank you for that 2015 conversation with AJ Green to get him to the desert. Is that, is that the uh, relationship that worked? If you want to write a column to that effect, I'm not stopping you. I mean, Kyle, if you want to go ahead, you know, <laughs> word, word from the birds blog, I think you can, you, you can get a picture of this. Actually, it's got some dust on it. <laughs> Wow, that's bad. And it's kind of deflated. I apologize in advance here, uh, AJ. It's deflated. It's been on the shelf for a number of years. I got I, I to gotta raise my game on the collectibles there. I'm sorry about that. So I, you guys were there when Marcus Golden and Kelvin Beecham met the media. Uh, Darren, give us some impressions uh, because it was evident both guys, speaking of playing in Arizona, wanted to play here in, in, in this state for this team for maybe some different reasons, but their desire to take what were very affordable contracts, you know, for the Arizona Cardinals and work with the cap space allotted. Um, you could just tell it was evident these guys, okay, there was a reason that they're going to be suiting up for the Cardinals this year. It, it was, it wasn't a very enlightening uh, press conferences with both of them, quite frankly, and, and kind of, I, I don't know if I was fully expecting it. I mean, here's two guys who've been around, uh, Golden only came in half the year, but we, we know the, him well. 
because uh, he's been here before. But, you know, Marcus Golden starts talking about how he actually was so discouraged by the way the Giants were not using him at the first part of last year that he was actually considering retirement because he loves the game so much. And he, they were taking the joy for a moment and, and it really rubbed him the wrong way because he felt like he had earned more. And then, uh, you know, Kelvin Beecham and, and then talking about how that's why how badly he wanted to stay in Arizona. And I think there's an outside chance Marcus Golden might have been able to make more in the open market had he opened up his, his life to that. And clearly he wanted to make sure that uh, he stayed in Arizona, which he had told us multiple times the back half of that season. And then with Beecham, the one that really stood out to me, Kyle, was the, the comment that there would be no other coach he would play right tackle for. Here's a guy who played left tackle his whole life. There was no other coach he'd play right tackle for than Sean Kugler, which, you know, he started all 16 games, did a nice job. But to say I wouldn't do that anywhere else, especially for somebody like Beecham, who's pretty reserved about stuff like that, I, that was eye-opening to me. And earlier this week, I think I said the top three or four reasons – people go somewhere in free agency as money. And that certainly applies to a lot of guys, but I did get the distinct impression that Marcus Golden and Kelvin Beecham, if they wanted to play it differently, maybe they could have gotten more money in different spots, but they do enjoy the Cardinals. I mean, Marcus Golden has been very clear about that since he came back. And, and you're right. I mean, Kelvin Beecham also said that because Sean Klugler stood on the table and advocated to draft him in 2012 with the Steelers, he's always felt an affinity for him. That's why he signed with the Cardinals originally last season because of Sean Klugler, and it's the, the main reason why he stayed. So, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously look at things very black and white and look at numbers and stuff, but it's just a good reminder that these relationships do matter and having a rapport with players and, and having a, a good setup where they want to stay, that matters too. And we'll never officially know if Marcus Golden could have gotten a couple million dollars more or Kelvin Beecham could have done the same. But clearly when you look at their contracts, like you said, Paul, those are fantastic value for a couple of guys who if they give you – 16 games again at the production they did last season, you're in a great spot where you spent a really low amount of money on guys that are really good contributors and you can just pencil them in right tackle outside linebacker. We don't have to worry about it. We're getting two good players that are really affordable deal. Don't think that Marcus golden doesn't know that he's going to be playing alongside JJ Watt and Chandler Jones and the sort of attention they're going to get, right? You got a two-year deal. 9 million max. Uh, and, and look what happened when he went to the giants, he didn't get the money he expected. And he certainly didn't get any other company when it comes to rushing the quarterback. And so he, every single sack he earned there, he earned double because, you know, that's what he was facing most of the time. Now think about his situation. And if he wants to try and set himself up after a two year deal, he had another short-term deal. I'm thinking, you know what, that's a bonus as well. Not to mention that he just enjoys being back in Arizona, has a newfound appreciation. As we said on the last edition of Cardinals Underground, there's a reason he walks around smiling all the time, even on the dreaded three-day road trips we saw in December. Well, and the reason it's it's so legit and honest is because he could have said all this and just signed a one-year contract and tried to go to the market next year, and he just felt like with COVID and everything, he didn't want to test it. But he signed for two years, so it's not like he did one year, I'm going to be next to Chandler, I'm going to be with JJ, and I'm going to explode and get this big money deal. He signed for two years because he feels really good with the Cardinals organization, and when he's done with that, he's going to be in his 
maybe 32 or 33 years old where your big money paydays are behind you at that point, unless you're absolutely a superstar. So I completely believe Marcus Golden, where the money was not the main reason for doing this. And, and I think it's just such a rare exception and he deserves credit for realizing that I'm happiest in Arizona. I was not happy in New York, even though I made more money there than I was offered elsewhere. And he realized that maybe I've made enough money in my career. I just want to be somewhere where I'm comfortable. I feel like I can produce and I'm valued. And clearly the Cardinals and Marcus Golden have a really good relationship. He, uh, watching him sign that contract. I mean, I think he knew all along he was coming back. I think that's what he wanted. We, the news was announced two days ago. It's not like it was new news. Once he came in to sign the contract, when he was sitting here and I got, had a chance to be in the room with him and Michael Bidwell as we're you know, doing the, you know, the video and the photos, he, he was overwhelmed with like giddiness. I'm like, it, he's still super excited. He's so, and I wrote a story about this one time about his background and I'm going to repost it at some point. Um, when Marcus Golden was younger, um, he got in a lot of trouble and he admittedly was an angry young man. And he was talking in here today as we were just kind of talking about how he realized at one point that he didn't need to be so angry all the time. And he kind of flipped it and he said, now I tell myself, I need, I, I need to be happy. I need to see the joy in everything. And I think that's where he is right now. And um, I, I really, I really truly don't think the money had a whole lot. I mean, he, he was going to get some money. Um, he's probably got more money already. And I don't begrudge anybody who's trying to get more. And he even said that somebody said in his press conference, somebody asked him about taking less money to be where you're happy. And he goes, I don't, I don't stick my nose in other people's business. Everybody's different. I'm just saying, this is how I am. And um, I think he just knew this is where he's happy. And that's what he wanted. And it, it's, it's refreshing. I mean, he's probably got more money than he ever thought he would have in his life anyways already. So why not pick what's, what's going to make you happy and, and being in Arizona, what's make makes him happy. And if he's smart, he'll invest the money he has in Kelvin Beecham Incorporated, and he'll triple his money by the time he's 50. Because Kelvin Beecham, uh, I believe every word of, it was either Cougs and the Cards or nothing. Because that guy has his post-playing career all set up. I mean, you think Larry is going to shine in his post-playing days. Larry goes to Kelvin Beecham for advice. By the time we were done with the Big Red Rage uh, last season, I was begging Kelvin Beecham to let me invest in whatever business he starts whenever it happens, because that guy's got it dialed in. Yeah, he's an extremely intelligent guy. And I mean, I think having somebody like that come in and, and do a nice job on the field and what he brings to them. I mean, he's an understated presence. He's not like this fiery guy, but I think he just kind of, he's one of those like elders that you think of that just kind of walks around and commands respect. And I think he's, he's been a big plus to the Cardinals. I mean, going into last training camp, what, what were they going to do at right tackle if not for Kelvin Beecham? I mean, they would have been in a rough spot and he did a great job on the field. I mean, he's not perfect. He's not as athletic as DJ Humphreys. I think we can all see that, but he just knows exactly what to do. And I think reliability at certain positions when you're not paying the 10 to $15 million, if you can just trust guys, I think that's huge. And I think both of these are, are, are both guys that, that you just really like to have on this team. 
And we found out right away when they put Nick Bosa to his side, a lot of that week one game before Bosa went down, you know, Kelvin Beecham, man, he got a serious test right out of the gate. And, and so you got a sense right there. Okay. All right. Cardinals have solidified that right tackle spot. And uh, since we haven't heard anything yet on Marcus Gilbert and who knows exactly what's happening there. And once again, if they're sitting there at 16 and the next Tristan Wirfs is on the board, guess what? Cardinals might go that direction. And they only have two years, $4 million invested in Kelvin Beecham. And now you can ease that rookie in at right tackle whenever that might happen. So it makes sense on multiple levels, at least to me. Speaking of the draft, let's wrap it up. Because right now uh, is the fact they have not gone after a cornerback. And Kyle, I'll go to you. Is this a tell? Is this going to show the Cardinals' hand? going into the May draft that they're going to be all in on a corner. And, and I fear other teams might jump them in that first round. If they don't do something to shore that up, at least some depth. I, I still think they're going to do something free agency, whether it's, I mean, as of this time, Patrick Peterson hadn't signed anywhere, whether it's bringing him back or signing another veteran. I, I think it's just too risky to go into the draft with, Robert Alford as your number two and, and not knowing who your number one is. So I think the Cardinals still have enough cap room to get a decent, you know, an above average cornerback. And that would obviously be their one big move remaining. And it would surprise me if they didn't go for a cornerback. I think it's, it's the one spot on the roster that you look at now that says, this is what they need. I think you can make do at tight end. I think you can make do, like we said, at, at right guard and other spots, but cornerback one, I mean, you need somebody good or else the pass rush as good as it can be. If your guys getting beat consistently, it's not going to matter. So I still feel like quarterback and free agency is going to happen at some point. And the market, I mean, a couple guys have signed. There's still a, a quite a few cornerbacks available. So maybe this is a time time sign where a few days from now you get a guy at a deal that you didn't think you could get him at, but in some respects it's smart where if you think supply is outweighing demand, then just wait it out and get a quality guy at a good price. And, and I think that's the key right now, Paul. I mean, other than a couple of the of, of guys are off the board, uh, there are still a ton of veteran cornerbacks out there, including Patrick, who I don't think has closed the door of coming back. Um, what's going to be interesting is, you know, if the Cardinals want to pay him X amount of dollars and, it's, it's competitive, but would he be willing to take that from the Cardinals knowing it's less than what he wanted? And that'd be interesting to me, but I think there's a lot of cornerbacks still out there. I think you can still get a guy, um, you know, whether he's going to be a super number one, I don't know. And I think they still have to target one in the draft, no matter what they do. Um, but I, I still think signing one make, I mean, as we record this, we're still only, we're, we're less than four hours into free agency officially even though the tampering started earlier this week. So uh, there's still a lot that can happen. And they might have an offer or two out to a corner and say, look, this is the number, take it or leave it. And so that contract offer might be in the court of a free agent corner right now. And they're just deliberating. And the agent is trying to drum up interest to see if the agent can top the Cardinals offer. And, and to your guy's point, you know what, if supply continues to outpace demand, then why negotiate against yourself? Yeah, the Cardinals are, have a need. There's no doubt about it. But if all these corners are still available, then what's the urgency to up your offer right now? Yeah, I think obviously you're going to have to get 
somebody and make sure that you don't get completely left out and be in a really bad spot. But yeah, I think that makes sense. And when it comes to Patrick Peterson in particular, he, he felt good about this team at the end of the season and he was open with us. He said he wanted to come back and we'll see how it goes. And now with the moves they've made in free agency, I mean, he's of the age where JJ Watt and AJ Green, he knows the superstar abilities that they had in their primes because it was his prime too. And he knows what those guys can bring. So I feel like that would make Patrick Peterson more excited about what the Cardinals are doing and where they're going and We'll see what that means as far as a contract, but maybe he follows suit and says, I want to join this team because I think they have Super Bowl potential. I might not get the contract that I was seeking, but hey, I'll go back and I'll try to push for that title as well. If you would have, there are people that argue that the 2011 draft might have been one of the best of all time. And we're not talking about if Peterson were to come back, you'd have three of the top 11 picks in that draft would be on this roster. J.J. Watt went 11, A.J. Green went four right before Patrick, I believe, and then Patrick went five. Mm. So, you know, if they just would have signed Cam Newton as the backup quarterback, we could have got the whole gang back together. I still remember Pat showing up as a rookie saying, yeah, this NFL thing, you know, Pat's supreme confidence, oh, and yeah. rightfully so. But Pat's saying, well, let's see. I just spent my college career covering Julio Jones and A.J. Green. So, yeah. Yeah, that was an SEC baptism into the NFL, covering those kind of guys. And, and players have an affinity for their draft class, even all these years later. I didn't realize A.J. Green and J.J. Watt were both in Patrick's, but that's even more ammunition to, to that, where you, you talk to guys that are drafted with certain guys. There's always that connection, I think, of Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds and Trent Sherfield, those guys are so tight, same draft class. And then beyond just the guys on your team, if you were drafted in the same year, you went through a lot of things together. So I think that's another reason why Patrick Peterson looks at it and says, hey, maybe that's a, the right situation for me. All right, no other breaking news here. We need to duck in on, on Cardinals Underground. I mean, not, not at this point, but who knows? I mean, there's still daylight left. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I mean, hey, I, you know, if you guys want more stories on the AJ Green, you know, or maybe our Jim Omohundro, who uh, who shared a uh, a tweet from Mike Leach, former long snapper, when Omo tweeted out a picture of himself, his dad, and Roy Green, and Mike Leach, the snarky one, replied via Twitter, "I didn't know Phil Dawson is your dad." <laughs> he put a caption to the photo, so thereby verifying my account. I don't make these stories up about people thinking Phil Dawson was an assistant coach. Put it that yeah. way. Yeah, and of course, Ohm's dad was the Cardinals' head trainer, John Omohundro, for 43 years. So uh, that's 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 good. That's how it works in the locker room. Put it that way. And every once in a while, it ends up on Twitter. So all right, there you go. That's our emergency session here, Cardinals Underground. As once again, we were gathered here today to celebrate the union of the Arizona Cardinals and some big name free agents. And who knows, we might be here again by the end of the week. Uh, once again, Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs>